0: Hello, today I am joined by John Peach and Chris Bright who are both from the diabetes football community. Diabetes is something that I haven't had a massive idea about and a massive knowledge about and I'm sure a lot of people out there don't really know what goes into it and the impact that diabetes can have on people's lives. But within this conversation, we talked about the diabetes football community, how that has helped improve people's mental health and the impact that it does have on people's lives. Some of the topics that we spoke about were what diabetes is, how people with diabetes fit in, the extra knowledge about management, dispelling the stigma and creating positivity instead around diabetes, the acceptance of having it and managing it but also what a struggle looks like on a good day but also on a bad day and the extra complications that I were never aware of around having diabetes, the sight issues, the longer recovery from injury the amputation and the frozen shoulders problems which John Peach has talked about what he's been going through at the moment We talk about why people should get involved in the community, why people should look to accept what they've been going through, and why people should get involved too. So if this is really meaningful for you, if you suffer with diabetes, or if you know someone who suffers with diabetes, then there's a lot more awareness, there's a lot more understanding, and there's a lot more conversation to be developed around it. And I really wanted to put this podcast out there just to highlight that. And to maybe push people into a better community, into a better movement for their lives. Enjoy the pod. Thank you for joining us, John and Chris. Great to have you on this, as we've been mentioning, bit of an earlier time to record a podcast. So waiting for the, the cogs to tick and the... Um, the wiring in the brain to 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 get going for, for this early morning. But great to have you on, boys. How are you? Yeah, doing well. Thanks,
1: mate. Thank you for having us. Um really, really excited to do this. Bit nervous, first time I've done it, but sure it'll be fine. Chris it, Chris is a natural. He he does these sort of things
0: all the time. <laughs> Go on Chris. You're, you're the pro, mate. How are you going, pal? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate.
2: I'm not too bad. I wouldn't say I'm a, a pro at this by any stretch. I was as we were saying sort of before we started recording. You know, we do a lot of this this kind of work to try and raise awareness of our uh, sort of project, but we do it in our own field. You know, we talk about it in the diabetes world, so it's actually really nice and really exciting to have an opportunity to share it with you in a in a different sort of guise, if you like.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, a bit of background context for for the listeners, um, John did the Cultivate program that we put out um, not so long ago over the course of the lockdown period. And, and we've been in touch quite a bit ever since. Um, and John mentioned about diabetes and he mentioned about something that was sort of, I was a little bit aware of, but sort of not extremely conscious of, um, about the life of, of someone that 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 has diabetes about the the rigmarole and the sort of the testing and the measuring um, and and the effects that that type one diabetes can have on 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 people, um, which is really really sort of relevant right now as we are coming into a period where lockdowns being eased quite a lot and and things are going back to normal and and the sort of yeah, you know, in a way that you're working i think there's still measures in place obviously for when you go back to work but you know things are coming back to fruition and, and lockdowns being eased um chris we were just talking a bit before before our air you know what does that mean to, for someone like yourself who who has type 1 diabetes
2: yeah so obviously we've got this this challenge of this medical condition um type 1 diabetes so you know we're looking at Having to do our injections to manage our food consumption, looking at carbohydrates, counting. I like to think of it as another sort of 24 hour a day, um, seven day a week job that you didn't sign up for. You didn't apply for this job. You were just given it. And um, you have to adapt your life to those circumstances and sort of to try and make yourself um, look at it in a positive way. You have these. Situations that come up like this, coronavirus, the pandemic, which actually make you sit back for a minute and go, "Do you know what? I I've got this challenge in life, and um, and and something that I really need to take a lot of care of." And when it comes into sort of, sort of this particular scenario, something that actually is affecting my daily life, maybe more than I've made it um, or shown it in the in the previous sort of I don't know years for me. To be honest, you know, I, I normally walk through life. You know, it's my life. I, I get on with it, and um, it doesn't really affect me too much. But actually, coronavirus has made me sit back and think. Do you know what? Type one diabetes is something that I probably need to show maybe a tiny bit more respect for, especially when you cross it with something as as dangerous as coronavirus.
0: Yeah, and and John, just just so like you know, everyone everyone can understand. What's the the medical sort of breakdown of type one diabetes too? Um, so basically, diabetes is um, a condition that you have where
1: your body doesn't produce um, enough or any insulin. Um, there's there, there's two types of diabetes. There's type one, um, which is what we've got. So um, and there's type two. Quite often, people who who don't know just just hear the word diabetes, or you see it on the front page of some papers that diabetes can be cured by your diet or a change in your lifestyle um so your type one can't that is that is something where your pancreas isn't producing the insulin so like chris says you're you're having to inject um me myself i'm on a pump so i'm attached to this um what sort of looks like a, a little mobile phone and i've got a cannula stuck into me 24 7 um and that basically gives me a a, a tiny drip of insulin every i think it does it every six minutes it just puts a little bit into me um and then if, if i'm if i'm having food or something with carbohydrate i have to um then give myself some more insulin from there so it's um yeah so it's about like chris said it's, it's about being able to manage that and you're having to look at the food you're having and going right if i'm having um that slice of bread that's 15 or 20 grams of carbohydrate how much insulin do i need to give myself because if you don't do that if you don't get that right your blood sugar shoots too high um if you if you end up getting it wrong your 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 blood sugar will drop too low so it's a it's it's trying to balance out that giving yourself enough insulin to combat the carbohydrate that, that, that you're putting into your body
2: it's monitoring the the food that comes in the carbohydrates um and dosing to how much of that you're eating and, and taking on, and you know, and the smallest kind of mistake or the smallest differentiation can send your levels out of kilter. So, you one minute you could be um, high, um, and then the next minute you could be low, and they both have ramifications for how you feel. So, you might feel pretty tired pretty rough uh, at the sort of higher end of the spectrum and when it comes to sport you kind of at that moment you start to feel like you're half a yard short of everybody else like you're you're lacking you're lacking some real energy and then at the other sort of end of the spectrum when your blood glucose levels are low is when you start to feel like you can't um you can't compute it like your brain's not really working properly like for me the ball looks smaller like my focus disappears on, on, on it and, I, and again you start to feel tired lethargic um, there's a weird sensation of hunger that sort of comes across and it's different in everyone but you know there's this rule of thumb like you're trying to find a sweet spot in the middle which is what you know someone you know uh, if you want to call it normal or somebody like yourself stevie who's not living with it that's what your body's doing automatically we're trying to input insulin manually and do a job of an organ that's normally doing it automatically. And it's, uh, it's like I said, to begin with, it's another 24 hour day, seven day a week job that we just, we didn't want, but we've, we've kind of been sort of thrown that if you like to deal with in life as well.
0: Yeah. And I guess it comes with a lot of extra caution and and a ton of responsibility. And, um, you know, my, my girlfriend now we were talking about the whole thing, and she mentioned that someone that she went to school with in the same year group as her um, actually took her own life because it comes with, like we say, that, that sort of, like you just mentioned there, Chris, the whole responsibility of functioning um, an organ yourself. And, and that's pretty tough. That's, a, that's, that's something to, to say, like, you, you, you know, you're not applied for it and it's something that, that you've got to, to, to keep um, keep on top of a lot of the time and and you know you guys are looks like to me that you're doing a great job because something that you've set up is is that sort of community it's a a not for a non-for-profit organization and it's something that you've set up in order to well I mean you guys tell me what what, why, why you've set it up
2: yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the, the backstory going on, Stevie. So actually, when I was reading in, you know, about mentality and I was seeing your story around what happened when you set it up, it's there's a similar sort of trend of thought that went into uh, the diabetes football community. So I, I got a bad injury um, at the end of 2016. And it was actually as a result of that bad injury that I had then had the time, if you like, in the headspace to to sort of think about what I wanted to try and do and create. At that point, I'd lived with type 1 diabetes for sort of um, 16 or 17 years. And at, and at the end of 2016, I had the opportunity to represent Wales in futsal. So the smaller sided version of football, um, five a side. So I, I'd kind of, for me, I've I'd, I'd sort of scaled my own lot of individual battle, if you want, um, to try and achieve something. And actually, at that point, I wanted to try and See if I could do something to alter the the and maybe right some of the wrongs that I'd seen growing up with the condition, and um, that's when I was starting to think, well, what? How can we do this, or what could I do to try and support people? And I was racking my brain, and then it was just through social media and connections on social media where I was starting to talk about for the very first time as well. This is a this is not something for me where I, I've been able to talk about what it's like to live with diabetes my whole life. I, I've only been able to do this for the last few years and we might get onto some of the why the reasons in a minute in terms of stigma etc and some of the identity around it but you know I, I opened up at that point for the first time to start talking about it and start sharing it and then I started to use social media and create the accounts come up with the idea itself um, started with Twitter, Facebook, website all of a sudden all of these things started to sort of spiral and um, into, into an idea that was actually gathering a bit of pace. Because people could see that there was this gap in, in support for people that are maybe sporty, living, trying to live out maybe a, a normal dream of wanting to be a footballer or, or wanting to push themselves in sport, but actually lacking that kind of link to others that are doing it. And because social media removes the geography part, because you know you're looking at, there's only 400,000 people with type 1 diabetes in the UK. That means you're not going to it's about one in, one in 160 something. So you're not going to come across people very often that are living with the condition. So you are going to, you, you're going to be removed from that. So actually we removed the geography and now you're connecting people and through this community idea, the diabetes football community, we've brought people together of a similar mindset, which are, you know, passionate about football. Um, but also maybe have seen many of the challenges that we've, we've kind of faced in terms of, the stigma the identity the 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 feeling alone part of of living with type one diabetes and um you know i i pushed it very hard to begin with I, I was doing a lot of work on my own but then you know not long into it we had the opportunity to bring people like john on board and uh yeah john's probably one of our you know somebody who's been there from the start and he's been such an amazing advocate and person to have involved in the community and, and john's story as part of it is a is it is brilliant one to be honest
0: how do you think you've gone you guys have gone on to to creating that positivity around it and sort of and and pushing pushing the boundaries and and pushing the conversation in what ways do you think that you know when you meet up and do it what does it look like so yeah we do a
2: do a number of different things really so we've we've attempted to kind of um look at different projects, whether it's in person or whether we're doing things online. So recording um, videos, doing YouTube interviews and things like that with people that are kind of, we've done it with some of the footballers in recent times during coronavirus. So a couple of the guys that are type one diabetic, but have, you know, played professionals professionally. Um, Then, you know, project wise, we've launched the first ever all type one diabetes futsal team. So that's the first time there's ever been a a team completely made of type one diabetics in the country. Um, And it's gone off then to represent the United Kingdom in a tournament for people with diabetes. So Di-Euro, it's called. It's called the European uh, European Futsal Championships for People with Diabetes. So we've had that as a real figurehead, if you like. It's been a real show of positivity and a, and uh, a way of raising awareness, and and that's been a, an amazing piece of work that we've that myself and John have been heavily involved in. We've done a little documentary, so we've done um 24 hours in the life of a diabetic footballer, which actually sort of was a, a kind of an interview with um with a child and his family about what it's like to live with type one and and the the push to wanting to play football at the weekend and and them talking about you know it's the biggest highlight of the week getting to play football but what if the diabetes levels go wrong and you can't play you know have that working through that idea and that challenge is and the pressure of that when it's something that's so important to you and you love doing is um is again an amazing piece to shed awareness on and we've also been involved in conferences so we actually created our own conference alongside another company called one bloody drop two and partnered with the university of worcester to create a, a, a conference which showcased Um, athletes with type 1 diabetes and how they manage it to kind of succeed or excel in their own sort of field so we called it sport tea one day and um, yeah we showcase some of the the ways that these people are, are sort of pushing themselves to push past the fact that they live with type 1 and how they do it and and the way they look at it the mindset that they have to deal with that deal with that extra job of managing something that can be, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. If we get it wrong, it can be life threatening. So you go from how do we manage those situations to then, uh, turn it into something positive. And we've, you know, in the last, we we started this in, um, February, 2017. Um, we were a non nonprofit organization to try and push that forward in sort of March, 2018. Um, so we're we're relatively new similar you know similar sort of lifespan just a little bit shorter than mentality and it's been a really nice thing to see because we've we've pushed an agenda that's not been pushed before and you can see that people just see the
0: the kind of this is something that was needed yeah that's amazing mate that's amazing and if if john's still on the air he's been breaking up a little bit but could could we just talk a little bit about you know what it is what, what what the struggle is for um living uh living with diabetes and and you know what what the stigma is around that like for someone who who has it operating you know through this world with diabetes like what, what's the challenges what's what's the bad days and what's the stigma that you'll find and and the sort of the little little challenges that you've got to get over, and, and you know, I, I can I can sort of imagine what they are, but it'd be really great to hear from from you, John.
2: So I can hear John, but Stevie can't hear John, <laughs> which is an interesting uh, concept for this. But um, yeah, John, give it a refresh. I'll answer Stevie. Do you want me to answer that question anyway from my perspective, and then yeah,
0: go on, mate, go on. Um, so just just as someone who's 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 come off the back of. Um, setting this 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 football and diabetes community up, and and pushing pushing the agenda and, and pushing the support for everyone. You know what what does the struggle look like for you? Um, before that, and, and what's the what's the stigma around diabetes that that people sort of you know take for granted? Like what is it for you that that's that those little challenges have come into and those big challenges come into, um, you know, forcing you or, or sort of pushing you to to create something like this.
2: Yeah, so um I think from that perspective there's been many challenges um, throughout my life in terms of facing the, the the stigma and the challenge mentally I think. I think if I start with a even a story this season, so 2000 we're talking 2019 and um we're playing I'm playing in the the top league in of futsal in the in England and um the first I think it was the first game of the season and I walk out with my insulin pen in my hand and um, my glucose in, in my hand as well. So it's like a little sh- uh, sugary drink and a little um, uh, pot of glucose tabs. And I'm walking out. I'm, I'm the captain of the team. So I'm at the front next to the referees as we walk out. And I get to the lineup where you're about to shake hands. The referee turns to me and says, i um, You do know anti-doping are here today. Wow. So we're talking that in 2019, somebody's in the sport that I play and somebody who leads in the sport and somebody who looks after us supposedly as players was able to make a comment about what I was sort of holding. And obviously alluded to the fact that he wanted to make a joke about it being drugs. Now, that is something that I've seen for a long time, you know, and even this season again, teammates have joked about, you know, um, saying, oh, you're injecting drugs again? Because there's this stigma around injections and people that immediately someone thinks that you are a drug addict now for people that with type 1 diabetes we're just injecting to stay alive so that is those are two live examples of what's happened this season that's facing stigma now if you roll it right back and you think about what i grew up with now you go into schools and kids are kids are less um understanding so they'll just pick on difference so, you know, I had to eat things in in classrooms, I had to eat snacks and stuff like that uh, when I didn't want to, but I had to. And then kids are like, "Well, why do you get to eat in class?" You know, so immediately you start to realize your difference is something that's going to make you stick out. And I didn't go to the greatest schools that there are on on the planet and they were they were, you know, good enough, but you feel straight away that you're going to you could potentially start to get picked on as a result of These things, and I was I was called names, and people used the word diabetic and called me something after. So they picked on that difference. But then you start to realise that okay, well I can use sport to try and mask that if you like. So I got got into the position where I wanted to push myself really hard in sport to mask the fact that I had this issue, or if you like, this condition which made me different. So I pushed myself really hard. I was probably always one of the better footballers in the schools that I grew up in the teams. Um, always one of the ones pushing themselves to do well. But a lot of it I was pushing because I found it so difficult to um, navigate the fact that I had this, this perceived weakness, if you like, of living with a condition. Um, so I wanted to do – I, I went with that and, and sort of – and you can see that the, the way that this stigma lives out is perpetuated by the, the sort of media and the newspapers the way that they use the word diabetes, they talk about diet and how it can be fixed. And a lot of the time they're talking about type 2 diabetes. So as a result of that, when people think of the word diabetes, they're looking at the media and they're, they're, their small knowledge of the word diabetes comes from what they see and read, which is fine. But actually that then sort of attaches itself to somebody like me and John when the fact that we don't have that version of diabetes that is portrayed in the media. So you can't cure it with diet. You We never got it because we ate too much sugar or too many, too many sweets. And, and that's the kind of questions you get asked. Oh, did you eat too many sweets as a kid? Were you a fat child? You know, these things, Was it, did you have a poor diet? And we have constantly dealt with that as, a, as a, a sort of a tool to beat us with, really. And as a result of that, I think what it does, or what it did to me anyway, John might have a different perspective on it, but uh, what it did to me is that, okay, I feel negatively about the word diabetes. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to hide it and I'm not going to talk about it and I'm going to show nobody unless r- I really, really have to that I live with diabetes because it's easier. I don't have to answer the questions. I don't have to face the stigma. I can hide the condition quite well because it is only done... You know, my only real visible difference is when I start doing an injection. So, you know, I can hide it pretty well and I can sort of hide in plain sight. And that is something that we lived with, or I lived with especially growing up, which meant that I probably didn't make amazing choices all of the time for managing my condition, which I would happily say to anyone is probably as a result of trying to hide it so well. And um, that stigma has been attached to the condition for the last, for the moment I got it and it's still here 20 years later. You know, I've had it 20 and this is almost 21 years and things haven't really moved forward to be honest, Stevie. And we're just trying to, as best we can sort of push a, a, a positive impact out there and, and, and start to change that mindset around the condition and, and through the diabetes football community is something that we're, we hope to, to sort of do that.
0: Yeah, mate. And, it sounds it sounds like a really tricky thing that that like you say you've had to navigate since since having the condition but i i relate in in a small way i guess like having this concussion um i can imagine it's similar in, in the way that it's not visible from other people um unless unless you know it's someone like my partner who's living with me 24/7 it's not it's not visible because you know, you're living different version of the world, basically, with how you're feeling, how you're sort of having to to live with it, what you're having to do to to make yourself feel better or make yourself feel almost normal. Um, but on the other side of it, people looking in will will have the the perception that that you're fine, and um, you know, because they're not feeling how you're feeling, um, it, it it can be hard and it it can be a tough struggle because. Like you say, you don't you feel like when people don't understand it, it's it's hard because you you know that they're not wary of, of what you're having to go through and that I can imagine that makes it even even harder for you guys. Um and and where does where does acceptance of of, of that come in for you, Chris? Because it, it must have been, you know, a Tory time having to hide it and, and, and probably less hassle at times, but like you say, the 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 handling of the condition will have been affected by that um you know where does the acceptance come in for for that and 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 was that a moment coming up to 2017 when you decided to to accept it and to talk about it you know or was it was it more sporadic in in nature
2: no you you're spot on you've you've almost highlighted the exact moment mate to be honest it was um as i began to start talking about it it's it's a tough one and I don't like saying it really because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel nice coming out of my mouth but those I'd lived with it 16, 17 years I hadn't really truly accepted who I was and what I lived with until I'd pushed myself to the point where I felt I'd I'd almost peaked what I could do in sport and it's really horrible to say but actually I had to play for my country in futsal for me to feel like I could talk about living with type 1 diabetes. I could actually show me cuz I felt that at that point I'd scaled the thing that and I'd if you like for about I don't know it felt it felt great for a few weeks but in those few weeks afterwards it felt like I'd beaten diabetes if that makes sense like I'd actually I'd overcome it to do the thing that I was I dreamt of doing you know these things are these opportunities don't come up. Um, You know, I'd always dreamt of being a professional footballer, never quite got there, but actually being a part-time player and and sort of being able to represent my country in futsal, I'm not going to get a lot better than that other than being a professional footballer. So actually, it made me for a minute just actually feel that I'd, I'd kind of overcome type 1 diabetes for a time. And, and then that was the moment that I, I felt I could – I accepted who I was. Um, I felt I could talk about it and actually open up about how difficult it was to get there and, and some of the things that I'd seen and, and, and grown up with and how I'd felt in different situations because um, as a bloke, it's not easy sometimes to share how you feel anyway. But when, when you're dealing with that extra added um, version of events of living with a condition – um, that's hidden, um, there's a lot going on inside that you that you wouldn't normally talk about anyway as a bloke, but even more so because you've got this hidden condition to, to, uh, that's creating turmoil in your mind, extra anxiety. I've always found a challenge around anxiety as a result of um, you've got 24 hours a day where all of your decisions that you make about diabetes, if you make a wrong one, they can make you feel unwell and that is the burden you carry as a result of living with type one. So there's no wonder that, you know, we have this, this thing out there where there's, um, I think it's 66% of people that live with diabetes also live with a mental health condition because it, it doesn't get, you know, it's only starting to now become a real thing that we talk about because that extra burden is always there.
0: Yeah. It's constant managing of of of, a, of an issue, and, and like you say, you you, you functioning an organ yourself. You know, externally, you 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 making sure you put that functioning in, um, and and I think it's interesting what you say about like that sense of achievement being something where you felt comfortable to actually talk about and to actually um accept it, and then go on to to being able to meet people like John um and, and sort of fly that flag and, and, and sort of bring bring people together to to accept that themselves which I think is massively powerful. It's absolutely it's it's absolutely amazing that you're doing that, mate. And um I'm just wondering if John's on the line. I am I am here. Can you hear me? John is back, sounding good. It sounds yeah. good for now. Oh, yes. He's back. <laughs> back. I've been back. sat here listening um, going I, do I interrupt? Do I see if this has this this has worked? It's been a killer. Yeah, it's worked. It's worked for now. It's worked for now, mate. Um, <laughs> I you have to fill that. that laptop out after after this. But yeah, um, right, well, it's we'll working worry. for now, pal. Um, but I'd I'd love to ask you off the back of that, John. You know what? What are some of the extra complications around diabetes? Um, you know some of the physical stuff which. You know, we spoke about the the mental health that, and maybe you want to touch on that too, the the sort of constant um, managing of it, but also what what's the the physical issues that 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 I might have, my, I might I might never think of, uh, but also um, what other people might never think never think of too. Yeah, so
1: there's um, yeah, I think got the, on the physical side there's. Um... That there's all the, the, the extra complications you can have. So, um, for me at the moment, one of the big ones is, um, diabetics being more susceptible to frozen shoulders. Um, there's no, uh, reason as to why that is that anyone in the medical profession can, can give an answer to. Um, I, I had surgery, um, probably about, oh, when was it about nine months ago? Um, because my shoulder was in the early stages. Um, of being a frozen shoulder, but annoyingly just before lockdown, um,
0: it's, it's come back. So, right. And, what, and let me just jump in there, John, what, what is a frozen shoulder? I might have had that in the past. So the frozen shoulder <laughs> is, is basically, um,
1: where your, your movement is, is very limited. Um, mm-hmm. if I try and lift my arm up in front of me, I sort of get just beyond nine o'clock. Um, so can't get it anywhere near the top. um, so it, it's it's very restricting it, it it has a massive impact on um, sleeping um, it does it does have an impact on the exercise obviously being in lockdown the the, the the sort of stuff you can do is is limited anyway so when you're you're looking and, and doing stuff online like the hip um, sessions you anything sort of upper body into the press-up position Um I, I, I'm trying not to use it as an excuse, but my, my press-ups are non-existent at the moment. Um, so anything like that, like lifting the boys up, um, I've got two young boys, like trying to lift them up sometimes, you can sort of get them in front of you, but can't get them properly over your head to to play around with them, or you, you suddenly get one of them jumping on your back and, and knocking your shoulder back, um, just, yeah, causes a lot of pain. So, um I'm on a, another waiting list, but they they um, cancelled all all appointments at the moment. So that's a, that's that, that's one of the frustrations. You have to be more careful um, with your feet um, and uh, the l- losing feeling in your feet. Um, so, for example, diabetics they they'll have a or that they should do ha- have a yearly checkup um, at the hospital or or with the GP. Um, and one of the the things that should be done is is they have a foot check, um, where the 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 doctor or nurse that you see will get a it's almost like a little tickle stick, um, and they just check your feet on. The, I think there's maybe fourteen maybe pressure points, um, and they go around and just check you can do it, um, looking for um, warts, verrucas, anything like that on, on your feet. Um, you just have to be more careful of. Um, there's the so the um, I think it was Diabetes UK did a thing um, for Diabetes Week, which was about a month ago, and, and, and you, you had to put in your your date of diagnosis. Um, so for me, I was diagnosed age five, um, and, and what it came out to is um, that o- over that time, i had done ninety six thousand blood tests. Um, I'd lost over, well, I've lost over seven thousand um, hours of sleep over the time and i spent 17 and hours um having a hypo or in a hypo so there's there's all the mm. the complications um I don't know, that's just a, a a handful of them um what's the, a what's what's hypo john sorry so, so a hypo is is where your blood sugar drops too low um you could there's um that so you you need to get some sugar on board um it's a it's a good excuse for me to have jelly babies which is my my um my sort of craving at the moment but generally it'll be something like jelly babies haribo and there's um the little sort of sugar sweets something like um an, an energy drink that's got that's got sugar in it's a good one you, you the, the liquid gets into your into your um bloodstream to, to boost your blood sugar quicker um, so just you, the 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 feel—it's the, the, hard to describe the, the the feeling of having a hypo. You, it's almost like you're you're losing control of your body. Like you you, you might turn to jelly legs. Um, you, you start sweating, start getting hot. You 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 do things without necessarily realizing that that, that you're doing them, um, and, and it's like you you haven't got control of your body. Um, That's
0: a lot you know, of time. That's a lot of time that you, as you just sort of mapped out there yeah. to. You to be feeling like that isn't it?
1: Yeah. And, and,
0: and they recommend that, I mean, they, they sort of recommend that if, you, if you're,
1: if having one doing exercise to, to sort of wait 20 minutes before you, you, you do something again. Um, I I've been since the, the lockdown sort of got lifted a bit, I've been spending a lot more time cycling. Um, and I found that I, I still haven't quite got the, the right balance of, of being able to, um, get it get get it properly sorted so i what i do is if, I'm, if i go out for maybe an hour and a half on the bike I, I just stop every half hour check my blood sugar a couple of times i've noticed it's it's dropped too low and, and i can sort of feel it um but but for me one of the things i've discovered during lockdown is that i my um awareness of hypos during um sort of high intensity exercise isn't as good as it is normally, um, so it's one thing that I'm just trying to be a bit more aware of that. And and, and that becomes just sort of a, a bit of trial and error and going right, instead of stopping after 25 minutes, uh, sorry, instead of stopping after half an hour, maybe I need to stop after 25 minutes or trying to get my blood sugar higher before I start. I um, had a bit of a disaster the other day trying to do it. And I thought, right, you know what, I'm going to run my blood sugar higher. So I'm going to have some sugar um, or something with carbohydrate before I go leave it 10, 15 minutes. Um, and hopefully that'll be fine. Um, and my blood sugar just stayed, um, sort of 10, 11, 12, 13 throughout the whole exercise session. Um, which if you, if you don't know, um, about it, it then has a, a, a quite a big impact on your performance. Um, you, you just feel a bit more sluggish. You, you can't work as hard. you you um you become more thirsty so you you're taking on more water um and, and just the 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 things like that so so actually being able to to manage your your blood sugar and get it at the right levels for exercise is is a is a huge task and then of course if if you get it once that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get it right the next time as well which can which can be a frustration because your starting point might be higher it might be lower it's um, it, it it does it does become easier. Um, but you you, you still have days where you just go, oh, I've got no idea why that's happened.
0: Mm. What and what does a struggle look like? Like a like a really bad day for for you guys. Um, and it'd be interesting to to hear both of your anecdotes for this because it, it'd be interesting to see if, if they're the same um and, and if you if it's if it's the same challenges that, that come into those struggles too so john could you, could you tell us what like a bad day is for you um so a, a bad day for me would probably start in the night so if um
1: my blood sugar's gone too high or too low um that'll have an impact so if it's gone too high the chances are i'll be waking up i'll be thirsty i'll be needing the toilet um what I'll try and do is is test my blood sugar um so whether that's doing the finger prick or um with um I don't know if you've seen the the, the sensors that people have on their arm it's like a, a little disc um so I can basically scan it either with my phone or um with a little reader so I can do that might need to be might mean that I need to give myself a bit of insulin um then of course you've got to get the right dosage because if you have too much your blood sugar's gonna drop and you're en- gonna end up going hypo um which then means you'll need to take some sugar on board um if the blood sugar goes too low for some reason um you can it's so like a couple of nights ago I woke up low in the night um I got a bottle of leukose by the bed so I have have that and then of course you're having you're putting this sugar into your body which then wakes you up a bit um and it, you're then supposed to check twenty minutes. So later, check your blood sugar has risen, but again, getting that that right amount so it's not risen too much um, can can be quite a challenge. um wh- one of the things that I find, and I know a lot of other diabetics suffer from, is when you're having a hypo, you just want to literally eat the whole contents of the of the cupboards in the kitchen as well. And I, I hold my hands up to doing that uh, far more than, than I'd like to admit. So you. You basically go down, you you eat, you end up eating a packet of crisps, some chocolate, some jelly babies, and then, of course, your blood sugar shoots up. So you're then in your your your, your semi-conscious state going, well, actually, how much have I eaten? Do do I need to give myself some insulin, which you probably will if you've eaten as much as I do sometimes? Um, But then going, right, if I give too much, I'm going to go low. If I don't do enough, it's going to stay high. Um, and then, of course, on, on top of all that, you, you you've then got the, the the fact that your your sleep's been deprived by an hour or so. Um, so you wake up in the morning, you're tired. You're, you you it's, it's a strange feeling if you've if you've been awake in the night um, because your blood sugar's not great. It's you, you you feel whether it's gone too high or too low. You feel a bit more sluggish the next day. Um, so it can take a little. While longer to get into things um for me, I cycle into work so that can that can have an impact on on my cycle in just um living in Bristol there's a million and one hills around, so I think I end up doing about four or five big hills just on the way to work um so and th- th- then the the effect that, that can have on you and, and feeling rubbish about yourself because it's it's taking you those, those extra couple of minutes or you're you're struggling up a hill that that you don't normally do um it can that can then mentally have have a bit of an impact or you're you're worried about am i going to go low while cycling in at, w- at what point am i am i going to be high during the day um and and, and again it, it's it's sort of painting that in a bad picture it, it's not it, it doesn't happen all the time it's not um it's not like uh oh, or I, I, I sort of worry every night or i think that having being a diabetic for for so long, it's you, you sort of accept it's it's going to happen. You, you don't want it to, but you, you you accept it. Going, do you know what? That's that's part of being a diabetic. It, it, it is one of those complications. You, you you do your best to avoid it, um, and 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 like so many, you can have some some absolutely brilliant nights where you you, you don't get disturbed due to your, due to your diabetes. I um, think then during the day, there's that managing your managing your your sugars um if you um if you eat you have to inject the i, I find for me that to to sort of get it completely um balanced and so i don't have a, a big spike or a big drop i need to to give my insulin about 20 minutes before i eat which in itself can be a challenge for knowing right, this is gonna be twenty minutes for I eat. Are, are you gonna get clobbered with something at work that means you can't eat at that time, in which case you risk dropping too low if you have it sort of just as you eat, your your blood sugar's gonna gonna shoot up for a bit and then drop back down. So it 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 it's
0: getting those balances um yeah and, 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 it, it sounds it sounds quite like a yeah like you say the, getting the balance it sounds like a bit of a balancing act that you've got to be aware of constant constantly um and consistently and, and i imagine when you when you're aware of the balance is a bit easier um uh, chris could you tell us a bit about you know your experiences and, and is it similar to to john's or is it, does it come come in a different way as you say like the anecdotes of being an athlete and and different things like that is it, is it is it a bit different for for you or is it similar in the way that you might have to make you know those sort of um well I guess drastic measures in the night or once you're aware of your blood sugar dropping um you have to take those measures too um you know and and, and how does that relate to to someone who has to you know like go out and, and perform in, in the job that you do too
2: yeah, so um, I relate to, heavily to some of what John said. Even last night, for example, um, going to bed last night, I was um, four, which is very close to being in hypoglycemia territory, which is obviously the low blood glucose level. So I'm trying to go to sleep last night, and I'm thinking, I've got to eat something now. And then as John said, you wake yourself up a bit because you're like, I need to have some glucose to, to sort this out, to bring it back up. And I'm thinking, oh, this is the last thing you want. And then as a result of that, you eat it, you know, you drop off to sleep. And then a few hours later, because I didn't really need too much of it, I had a slightly too much and I wake up and I'm slightly high and then I'm thirsty and I actually need to adjust and do an injection. So you have this, um, and as John said, it's not all of the time, but you have this battle of things that disturb you. and And normally, you know, sleep disturbances for people with diabetes is a thing that we have to just cope with because your blood glucose level doesn't know what time of the day it is. you know, it gets into used to into a routine, but actually it doesn't account for when you want to sleep or, or do those sorts of things. So you have to be managing it uh, as best you can throughout, but you get better with experience about how to manage those situations. So you go to bed with routine, you know, things tend to be, fairly uh, predictable so some so some days you'll predict it other days you might not predict it as well but that's how you try and get through it is as you you build up this idea of of how I'm going to go and tackle it and I think as John said a bad day always starts with you know if I've had a hypo in the middle of the night that can take an hour and a half just sorting yourself out to then go back to sleep and then you, and you start like that but then when it comes to to sport and, and uh, something that I, I can sort of go into a bit more depth. And John said about performance earlier, he talked about how you, you suffer a little bit when you're outside of the range that you're aiming for. Now, one of my big focuses is, is, is on performance, no matter what I'm doing. So obviously in my training, when I go out and I'm running hard, I'm trying to hit times at the moment while we're in coronavirus. Now to do that, I need to feel both – Norm, I need to feel great. So, just as you with Stevie, you've got to be hydrated right. You've got to eat the right nutrition, all of that sort of stuff. But then I also have that added complication of I need to get my glucose levels to sit at a really nice place to perform. And that's something that you don't have to concern yourself with. But as, as people with type one, we need to try and get it into that sweet spot that we know we feel good performing and playing in. That is one of the biggest challenges for me. And that's one of my greatest frustrations. So if that goes wrong, I'm, I get frustrated and that is, a, and that's an added thing that nobody else can really help me with other than other people that I speak to that have got the condition because, you know, you go onto the the pitch or the core and you might've warmed up great and you might've been feeling good. And then your levels go out of kilter and then you go out to play and you don't feel as good. And having that feeling where you are hindered by a condition that nobody sees or nobody can understand unless they live with the condition is quite challenging. So because, because you know, we were talking about earlier, they you know the stigma side of things. Um, people just think if you say, oh, I'm not feeling good, they think you're just having a bad game. You know, like you can make a, you're making an excuse for a poor performance. That's something that's really quite hard to navigate. I've never used diabetes as an excuse, but there are many occasions in the past where my performance was directly impacted by my condition, but I always just accepted it and took it on the chin as it was a bad game. So anybody that was watching me would have gone, oh, we had a shocker today or we had a poor game. And I just took that and just took, okay, yeah, fair enough. It was a bad game. But I knew deep down what had happened. And that is a challenging thing to navigate. So obviously you get better with time and you get better And we work on routines and structures to try and ensure that there's less margin for error and there's less things going wrong when you come to sport. But the nature of the beast is, you know, uh, you could be more nervous today. You know, I could be walking out and it's, um, for example, played the home nations. It was on BBC sport red button in December playing against England and it's a huge game it's a winner takes all and you can't you, how do you you can't put that into training you can't prepare for that but all of the emotional side of it also impacts on your blood glucose levels so i can't even guess what effect it's going to have that extra pressure or that extra stress of that big game so you're just constantly in this cycle of I've got to react and obviously we've got these things, as John said, now that work on your arm, there's this chip, um, whether it's both, um, it's called the Libra or Dexcom and they continuously monitor the blood glucose level. Now that has made the biggest impact on my ability to perform than anything before because now I can see it live and I can make adjustments based on what I can see from this this smart chip that sits on my
0: arm and just under the skin. And that's something is that is that something that they actually put into your skin then or is it something that just sits above and, and you strap it on?
2: Yeah, so you you kind of um you like apply it and uh, the, the needle sort of breaks the skin and it puts like a thread under the skin. But then there's like a sensor that sits on top of the skin and it's like a big plaster that sits with it. And then there's um, like a sensor in the middle that constantly communicates with the, the sort of um, monitor and is obviously telling you what's going on all of the time. So it continuously updates you on that blood glucose level. So it's, a, it's been a real game changer in, in sport for me um, in helping to manage the condition.
0: Yeah, that does sound like a game changer, mate. It sounds like something, a big jump for for what what will help, especially for for people in sport too. And and off the back of all that, John, like why why is the diabetes football community important to you? Like, you know, what what's it brought to you?
1: It it's one of those things. I, I my my involvement came about by complete um complete fluke, complete chance. It was. I'm seeing this account on Twitter um, and following it. And it was one Friday night. I sat at home and, and just looking. I just sent a message to um, the diabetes football community saying, "Look, really like what you're doing. Um, really interested." Um, and Chris replied. We exchanged a couple of messages. and Before I know it, um, it got me to meet him somewhere in. Um, I think it was in Worcester, a, a, a coffee shop. Um, so I went and met him. Had a good chat, wrote a few things down and and sort of got home and went, hang on a minute. He's, he's got me, I've got to do all these things now. So I'm, I'm actually part of it. Um, and it was one of those things that I, it's it's sort of like that, that fate thing I I hadn't necessarily wanted to, to get involved, but I'd ended up being involved. Um, and it's just sort of, um, the, it's hard to describe You, you. You've got, um, I think maybe the first session there were fifteen blokes there, um, all with two things in common: one that they were diabetic, and two that that they liked football. Um, and and just, I think for everyone there, being in a in a room with um, other diabetics, where you're you're not sort of forced to be there with them, you're not being put on a course. It's um, it's something that everyone has got in common. Was was just massively encouraging for everyone there. For me personally, um at that point I'd um I'd actually retired from playing due to um a couple of serious injuries with my my pelvis and my hips. Um and it it gave me a little push and and wanting to be part of it and and sort of going, do you know what, if if I want to be part of this, I I don't want to just be here sort of watching and, and and doing stuff behind the scenes. I want to be playing. So um, it actually inspired me to to go back and, and start playing football again. Um which I did. Um was lucky enough last summer to to go away to Ukraine um with the lads and, and, and go and go and represent United Kingdom um at the Dioros that, that Chris mentioned earlier. And and yeah, I think it's just the the being around other diabetics who suffer with Um, similar issues similar problems is it's just incredible that you there's that sort of feeling of you you can ask whatever you want without it being a a silly question Um, I think the number of times that I've I've asked a a professional for um, a little bit of advice and you sort of think actually you are giving me the advice but you've never gone and played football you've never played foot so actually you you don't know what it's like to to have that frustration of going low while you're trying to do something. Whereas we've we've now got a WhatsApp group with over 60 of us in. Um, and you can go on there, you can just type in what you might think might be the, the most silly question and, and you'll have four or five responses saying, "Yep, yeah, do you know what? That happened to me. This is what I tried. Um, and someone else will put something completely different, which is absolutely fine because you've got this condition where just because it works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for another one. So that the support that um that I've received um and I know talking on behalf of a lot of the other lads that that they've received from from being part of that group, part of that community, um is is absolutely incredible. Um, but I think that the, the biggest thing for me is just that it's given me the confidence to to talk more about my diabetes, to be to be open, to to share my story with people, to to not be afraid to say to people, yeah, do you know what? I am a diabetic. I do struggle um, sometimes on a daily basis um, dealing with it. The 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 impact that it that it does have mentally on you, trying to to control this uh, th- this condition that you've got, um, is it, it isn't easy. Um, and and it, and it does have so many different struggles as as we've alluded to, and and so many factors that that, that can affect your your day, your week, your your month just just generally how you're how you're feeling um but yeah just being more open and and, and being able to to share my personal story and 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 knowing that um it's reached out to others and I know that other people that have got involved through me being more open and and being able to share my story with other people um and getting getting them involved has, has, has impacted them in a positive way as
0: well Mm, and that, that's amazing john sounds like you got a lot from that and, and just off the back of that chris you know how how can people get involved and, and why should they get involved as well if, if, if someone listened to this i imagine someone mentality listening to a uh, listener listening to this may have diabetes and if you're going to talk to them like you know why should they get involved and, and how can they do it too yeah so um, on the,
2: the how to get involved i think we've got plenty of vehicles on social media. So we've got our Twitter account, which is at TDFC Diabetes. And then on Instagram and Facebook, we're at the Diabetes Football Community. So pretty easy to find. And the website is www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com. And I think on the why, I think it's very much, if, you're, if you've got this real passion for football and you've got this, um ideology that you maybe you want to push yourself or you maybe at the moment you're finding it tough within the within the sport itself to try and um that maybe there's challenges around the coaches or you need some more advice information about how to manage the condition or you want to sort of um get get some inspiration about different stories etc if you want to find any of that this is the, the place to be and if you it's that first step for acceptance as well. We were talking about it earlier and in terms of feeling accepted and feeling that you're part of something bigger and actually you're not the only one living with type 1 diabetes out there that loves football or loves sport. This community is is the place because you can reach out, you can get information, inspiration, some guidance and you can feel like, you're not that only one fight in that battle. Um, and 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 this is, you know, this is what
0: our, our sort of premise is, if you like. This is what our purpose is. That's amazing. Um, that's amazing. I'm so glad that we've been able to get you boys on um, and share the knowledge. It's it's, it's certainly enlightened me for, for the sort of rigmarole and the tasks and the stuff that you guys have to be aware of, but also, you know, the, the other side of it, which, you know, using this challenge, using this condition to to actually bring people together alongside sport, which is something that's been very apparent in, in my life and been something very similar that I've been able to do, which is something that, that makes the hard times worth it. So thanks very much guys for, for coming on, sharing your stories and, and and the challenges that you've been through. And also something that I hope continues to grow even more. And, And and help people as well and inspire people and and continue to bring people together so thanks very much guys for for coming on today. Thank you for having us really appreciate it.
2: Yeah appreciate it Stevie thanks very much for allowing us to share the, the story it's been a pleasure.